We'll make the transition now, talking about Falmouth Commodores. So you worked for the Falmouth Commodores this past summer. Right now, you just working there, just finished up the season. Ozzie yeah. Falmouth had a good season, um, finished 19-21-4. Made a nice run, though, in the playoffs, though. You know, obviously, you won a game against Bourne, who's now in the finals, up one nothing. That's a run of its own, just winning a game against them, since they're up one nothing in the finals right now. Going 1-1 against them the first two, obviously, forced a game three. Yep. Didn't work out, obviously, in the end of it, but... You did blow them out in game two, 11 and a four, and that's obviously big, big to build on, especially considering how well they've been playing. I went to a game uh, about a week or so ago now, a week and change ago. Um, I saw them play against Hyannis, since a kid in Northeastern, Mike Sirota, plays yep. for Northeastern, plays for Hyannis during the summer league, obviously, and saw them play Bourne. They had a lot of good pitches. They had a, lot, they had a good team, honestly, all around. So beating yeah. them even one game, because Hyannis kind of got blown out the game we went to. If I remember, they might have lost by four or five. It wasn't, wasn't like a 10-run game. But they, didn't, they weren't really in it too much towards the later innings. You guys beat them once, which is honestly impressive. Yeah, 11 to 4. Big, yeah, it was a big game. Uh, it was piled by a seven-run inning by the, by the boys. Uh, we have a, really, a lot of really strong players. We have uh, Alex Mooney, shortstop from uh, Duke. We had uh, Andrew Pickney with our center fielder from Alabama. And then big bats from... Uh, Cromwick and uh, Walsh, both from Morgan. We just had a lot of big guys who could hit the ball, who could field, who could run. We had a really strong all-around team, a little bit younger, because the Commodores are always about... We don't, at the end of the day, it does not matter if we win that championship. It does not matter. What matters is getting guys to the next level. Like, we had Jacoby Ellsbury. We had Adley Rushman. We had all these guys who are... Like, Reese Hoskins. All these guys wow. who are making back to the MLB level. Coach Trundy in the town of Falmouth helped get them to that situation to where they are now. Definitely. And obviously you want to you want to win at the end of the day, but at the same time your main goal is to get the kids to the majors and you guys are doing just that, which I didn't know Reese Hoskins played there too. That's sick. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Like, yeah, Tito Martinez, we had a ton of ex players who uh make a big waves in uh MLB. That's awesome. That's 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 great. That's cool though too, considering you were working for them too, so I'm sure you probably saw which I'm gonna talk about a couple guys right now. You probably saw guys that we drafted a year or two now, which I saw in your roster, you had a couple kids. You had at least one kid born in like 2004, so he was like 17 or 18 years old. Or yeah, something. we had a lot of young guys. We had a, long, a lot of young guys. We had a couple of 18 year olds. I think the oldest we had was 19, maybe. Really? Yeah, that's yeah, tough though. Have, that's because a lot of teams have kids that are going to their senior year, the exactly, 22 so year olds. Absolutely, I feel like I was just being under under 500, and also like we said, giving the um, elder born in game two. I feel like that's a big thing for showing what these guys can do. Super young, a lot of heart, a lot uh, a lot of really good players who can hit the ball, who can run who can hit for power, who can hit for contact, just all around. And they're all really good players. We all did a lot of stuff, a lot of good people, excuse me. Definitely. Yeah, you did great. You did great work there. And obviously you were working too on the side, yep. you know, at the pizza place. So you were honestly busy this summer. You were with the film of Conus and you also had a job too. So you had a lot going on. Mm-hmm. A yeah, lot absolutely. going on. Which is great though. And a couple of things I want to highlight now, a couple of guys. Colby Halter, the center field, he plays shortstop or whatever, but shortstop at the University of Florida. I'm not sure he's playing on the field, but I looked up his stats. 307 batting average, which was sixth actually in the whole yeah. entire Cape Cod Baseball League. 12 stolen bases, 7 home runs, which actually led the Cape. 7 yeah, home was, runs. Yeah. Halter yeah, was great. Huge bat for us, yeah. Huge bat. Always coming in clutch for us, just getting that, when we needed that run or we needed that hit or we needed that blooper to get in the gap or the fly out. He always just did what the guys needed and what we needed to succeed. And a uh, super nice guy. I actually, I was doing 50-50 one of the games and that was his day off. And uh, he actually walked around with me doing the 50-50 trying to get fans. And super nice guy. Just, uh, Asked him about my school, where's Concordia, because I had a little badge with the information on it. And just, like, he's very – he's not stuck in the moment. Like, he, he understands, like, yes, this is the Cape Cod League. These guys are almost 99% chance going getting drafted to the MLB, getting contracting the MLB. They're, they're going places. 
he still knows that he's still a person who needs to connect with the community and just he's not above himself, which is very humbling and very good to hear from uh, a professional, a potential professional player's point of view. Definitely, and that's that's a good thing too, having that sense of. I guess realizing you're a player also at the same time, but you also want to be a person too. I mean, I know a lot of people, sometimes they make it big and end up, you know, not having the best attitude and obviously being, yeah. you know, not acting, you know, you know, toward, nice towards, you know, people that are working. Obviously, you make a lot of stuff go with the film with Commodore. So I think when they realize, oh, you know, I'm playing for Falmouth this summer, there's a lot of people that make this happen, whether it's you working there or the, the general manager signing guys, stuff like that. It's nice that they recognize and acknowledge that. And that's great, which is Absolutely, awesome. Yeah. Um, anyways, though, so not just him, though. Halter had a great season. You had Jacob Walsh at five home runs, which was third, yep. tied for third in the Cape Cod Baseball League. You had Joey Ryan on the mound, kid from BC. Yep. Was a lead on the mound, actually. One six eight ERA in 13 games, three Absolutely. saves. He pitched great. And you had texted me that he was I, – I knew he was playing in the Cape League. I didn't know he was playing for Falmouth, though, which is awesome. You had texted me about him, which was great. He, he was loved. He was, without a doubt, the – of the fans, the favorite player of the team. We, he would go on the mound, and a mil, I want to say about fifty kids would all shroud around the like the uh, around like the um, dugout, screaming, "We love Joey!" For, <laughs> like for almost the entire warm up on him on the mound, it was crazy. They loved it. They loved him. He saw this guy from the area. Everyone knew him. He just he he was that guy. He was awesome. Super, really good on the mound. He had amazing pitches. He got out of jams when we needed to. He was he was our biggest closer of the year. He was Definitely. Really Guys, yeah. Three saves, 19 strikeouts with three walks and 16 innings pitch, 168 ERA, which was great. And then you also had another couple of good pitches, too. Philip Abner of Florida was yep. great in the mound. 3 0 record, 192 ERA, which was actually third best among starters in all of the Cape League. 20 strikeouts and 13 walks. So you guys had a very good year. Honestly, you had two, two or three great hitters there. You named three on your own. I named two extra ones, Halter and uh, Walsh. I named Ryan and Abner. You obviously know they had great pitching, too. You guys were kind of great all around, pitching and hitting. And obviously, the record's 19-21-4, but at the end of the day, you had a lot of close games. I think at the end of the day, if you're only 18 years old, you'll probably get some of those kids back, which I know sometimes guys flop to another team the next year. But sometimes, yeah. usually, not always, I'd say like 60% of the time, the guys, you know, if they play in the Cape League, go back to that same team. So you'll probably have a lot of returning talent next year. Yeah. Yeah, that's the goal. Uh, I'll be there next year. Uh, I just took, I just accepted another role to um, moving up in the uh, organization, but um, I'm looking forward to going back there and hopefully seeing a lot of the same players. I know Mooney is looking go- to go back. A lot of the players are super close with the volunteers they live with, which makes it a lot easier. Like I, one of these guys, I was talking to him. His, I don't, the word I use is billet. I don't know what other people use, but that, like his house parents, people who uh, house. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. They would uh, every day. They would make him a different sandwich just so he could try something different and see what he liked. It was that's like, awesome. He, and he loved it. He thought it was amazing. Every day was something different. He had no idea. It's just like these volunteers, like the entire organization of every Cape Cod League. No one gets paid besides the coaches. Everyone, every the GM, the assistant GM, the everyone. No one gets paid. Everyone's a volunteer. They want to be there. They they love the program. They love baseball. They love Cape Cod League. They just love everything around the situation of baseball and Falmouth Commodores baseball. Mm-hmm. So the players felt that and could see that, and I feel like a lot of them, like you were saying, are going to come back. Definitely, so they are. I, I have a very, I have very strong feelings that they're going to. Mm-hmm. And, and like you were saying, the host families don't make anything really either. You know nope. what I mean? Off of it. So I mean, obviously, they get the experience having the player there, and yeah. obviously <laughs> being part of the whole entire league and being part of what it's. You know the the what it's built on. They're part of the process of making it run and making it go. But at the end of the day, like you're saying, yeah, only the coaches make money. 
But still, if you look, which I went to a game, there were a ton of people. A regular game on a Tuesday afternoon, there's still going to be crowds of people there. So people are very dedicated, and obviously it's great to get that experience. And like you were saying, you're going to be working there next summer again, which is great. And what was it like working there this summer? I mean, I'd, I'd imagine it was awesome, but what was like the main thing you learned or the best experience you had? You could share anything, you, either yeah, one of those. Uh, the main thing is my job. I was a game day intern, which means that uh, my main job of the year uh, was helping with the shack, which is like our merchandise shack. So mm-hmm. I help show, uh, help show people around in the shack, get people down there, catch people out, restock, folds, run to our distribution center, which is one of the volunteers' house. He was like uses garage for like half the half the extra stuff we had in the shack. That's so, awesome. It was a ton of fun. We actually had one of our best years. Um, the the uh, goal for the year was ninety five, and we ended up getting right around ninety nine. So we had a pretty good year, uh, $99,000, wow. uh, where we only got about seventy five. That's awesome. Wow, look at you. So you were part of that. And you also yeah, did the – you helped with the yeah. raffles too and everything, the 50-50 raffle. Yeah, you did a lot. Yeah, we had 50-50. We had to help like um, – we had the singers for the seventh inning and uh, for God bless, uh, for National Anthem. You had Mark yeah. Walsh there, dude. Yep, yep. Uh, Mark Walsh music. Uh, he was there singing the seventh inning stretch for uh, God bless America. And it was amazing. Ton of fun. The fans love them. Everyone, every single time any of the singers walk off the, off the field, at least fifteen people go up. Oh my god, you did amazing! Like it's it's awesome. The culture, it's like it's unbeatable. It's just such uh, it makes you feel better just being around on the field and stuff. Just being around all the fans and everything. Thank you, saying It's a human connection of the players acknowledging. There's a lot of things that make this go and make this possible. And at the end of the day, as I said, a lot of guys make it big, and at the end of the day, they lose that human connection and that kind of respect to everyone that helps. You know, make things go. Whether it's at Fenway Park, guys working, you know, concessions yeah. or guys working as ushers in the thing, everyone makes it go. Makes the game go. Exactly. The GM, obviously, too. Everyone makes the game go. Similar to you in the Cape League, too. Everyone has a job there that makes things work and makes things happen, which is awesome. And obviously, you got Mark Walsh. Here, so you, you, you also are helping out the boys too. You are helping the boys make some connections, which is great. Absolutely. You know, I, I got to try to help people out. Um, like, if anyone here wants to uh, look out to try to get an indie trip in the future for the Commodores and anything in general. Uh, reach out to Joey May, and then uh, he can connect you with me, and I can always try to help guide people if anyone's trying to get into the world of sports. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. You guys will hit me up, and then I'll connect you with the GOAT, Liam Kenny, multi-sport athlete, which i that's the thing. we I had that on your last Instagram post. You had the baseball bat in your shoulder, and I said, hey, multi-sport <laughs> athlete there. Multi, <laughs> multi-sport superstar, I think I wrote, actually. <laughs> I miss the days. I miss being a multi-sport athlete. I miss it. You still yeah. got it, though. I'm sure if the football football game broke out or something, you'd be there locked in. You'd oh, be yeah. there locked in. <laughs> You know that wide receiver QB connection we had, which was honestly unbeatable for a long time. It was, yeah. So like we were saying, the connection we had, quarterback, wide receiver, was unbeatable, whether it was at Moakley, whether it was at the Cape, too. We were playing on the beach. We were nasty. Whether it was, honestly, in the turf, the BCCS turf, we had a lot of good games. and The back back porch, yeah. Obviously, at the end of the day, though, I still feel like we'd have that connection now. I know we even played in a little bit. I still feel like that's an automatic connection. We lock in, you know. Whether you're quarterback or I'm quarterback, hey, at the end of the day, we're going to be throwing touchdowns, whether it's me or you at QB. I think, I think at the end of the day, though, me or you would be fine with either. If I'm quarterback or you're quarterback, I think oh, we yeah. both trust each other. As long as one of us, you know, we're locking it down. We're trusting each other out there. But anyways, to finish up the Cape Cod talk, and then we'll move on to something, you know, really quick, Bruins or Patriots or Celts. Um, so it's currently game two now, starting at 3.30. Bourne is up one nothing on Brewster in the series in the Cape Cod Finals. Uh, they won game one, 3 to nothing last night. I'm rooting for Bourne personally. Um, I know they actually beat you guys, so I, I know you might not be rooting for them. But um, I'm only rooting for them because Brewster cut 
the you know the Northeastern player I'm a fan of, Mike Sorota, and then he ended up going to Hyannis. So yep. I won't be rooting for Bruce because of that. Um, but Bowen, honestly, is a very good team. Like we were talking about, they had Matt Shaw from Maryland who led the yeah. Cape Cod League in batting average, 360 batting average in the regular season with five home runs, 19 RBIs. And then also Bruce has a lot of good players too. Casa DiMartini is one of them uh, yeah. from Virginia. Uh, Virginia Tech it is. Very good ACC baseball player. Hit 248 in the regular season for the Cape League. And then... Then when the playoffs hitting 444 with four home runs in five playoff games and eight RBIs, he only had two home runs and 15 RBIs in the regular season. Now he has four home runs and just five playoff games. But game two is today at Brewster at 330. Who do you like, though? Who are you rooting for between those two? Uh, who I'm rooting for? Uh, Bona Brewster. Or are you just rooting? I mean, I only picked a team there just because I said I had a bias there, yeah, I guess. I, but. Don't, I, don't, I don't have a horse in the race. I'm always solid with... Uh, as long as it's not Katuit, that's all I care about. I just don't want Katuit winning. Yeah, I heard Katuit had a little beef with some other teams. I, I heard about yeah, that. Kutu, yeah, Katuit's our biggest rival for Falmouth. But um, my, I have a feeling Bourne's going to lock it up today in two. I feel like that they're the stronger team. Yeah. Uh, Booster definitely is a very strong team. I don't want to take that away from them. But I feel like they're... The pitching, uh, the pitching and the hitting, though, on Bourne is just... Great right now. They're very locked in. Like we were saying, I mean, Brewster won the Cape Cod League last summer, so both teams are very good. I think yeah, at the end of the day, it'll like, be good. You don't got to pick a team. I was only just saying just in case no, no, you had a yeah. preference there. I feel like Brewster in the regular season with Harwich and uh, Orleans definitely had a little bit of a uh, weaker schedule when compared to Bourne, and Bourne was just able to compete and produce, even playing those really hard teams. They had to play Falmouth, Hyannis, and Kituit which all those teams would have been in the top two if they were in the East Division. Definitely, so, yeah, that's true. That's true. It's tough. Great. All had very strong seasons. All had very hard schedules. While the East Division were a little bit weaker this year, had that big divide between Brewster and YD and the rest of the division. So I feel like that um, Bourne's going to come out. I think hopefully with the way I feel like they're going to win today. But if not, if it goes back to uh, to Duran Park, Duran Park, Park, yeah, yeah, they're winning. There's, there's no shot they lose at home. The the atmosphere that place was packed. I want to say there was at least probably three thousand fans when I went to the game in the playoffs. It's just definitely. I went to a regular season game and it was it was filled. Uh, which yeah. I went as I said yeah. last week, last Monday or Tuesday maybe. I just went for the day just to see him play because the regular season was winding down. I think that was the last regular season game, so it was last Tuesday. And uh, obviously it didn't work out. Hyannis winning the game, but it was a cool experience being there. I sat right behind home plate. You get to see the pitches right up close. And although there were no BC players on either team, it probably would have been nice for me to go to Falmouth to see uh, you know Joey Ryan, see BC kids you know doing big things. But uh, that's awesome. And like you were saying, Doran Park. It was a great experience being there in regular season games. I'm sure that playoff game was even crazier. It was game three, too. You were there game three, so it was even crazier. Yeah, absolutely was, yeah. It was definitely a cool experience. Cape Cod League is just different. The access you have to the field to get that close to the players and get your ball in there to get signed or to talk to the players one-on-one or the people in the bullpen, it's just different. If you haven't gone to a game, you've got to get to one at least once. Definitely. That'll be awesome for sure. Um, Anyways, so now we'll transition to the Bruins, um, Bergeron, Krejci, both re-signing with the Bruins coming back. Bergeron got a two and a half, got a two and a half million dollar deal with two yep. and a half million in incentives. Krejci got a one million dollar contract with two million, possibly more in incentives. And then you look at the Bruins are coming back. They have a lot of injuries, so obviously these two these two pieces are great and all. But you got Grizzlick out to November uh, with that shoulder injury. Charlie Coyle out to. De- out until December, I believe, with the shoulder injury as well. And then Brad Moshin out until December also with a hip injury. What are your thoughts on the Bruins? We'll start with Krejci and Bergeron. What are your thoughts on them both coming back to the beach for another season? Yeah, the feeling about that is with Krejci and Bergeron, what you have is two proven leaders that you know that are going to anchor that first and second line. They're gonna, and they're going to be able to produce for themselves in the first and second line. And they're also going to be able to coach up 
Frederick and all those young guys who are on the bottom lines going to be able to show them what they need to do to produce and how they can be leaders for themselves in their own lines. So I feel like the only thing that's going to happen is we're going to have, I feel like we're going to have a little bit of a skid at first with losing Marshawn. That's a really big piece on the front end. But I feel like after we get our fee under us, I feel like we're going to have a really competitive start to the year. And then we're going to hit December and we're going to get all the, most of those pieces back. And then come that big bend in February, we're going to make that push into the playoffs. And I feel like we're going to be very competitive throughout the year. Definitely. I think that's the big thing is when you get your health, which it was kind of like how I felt about the Red Sox. Obviously, now it was a downfall, but I was feeling like in June, when they were unreal in June, the best record of baseball in June, I was thinking when you got Chris Seal back, Rich Hill back, uh, Michael Walker back, all these guys coming back from injury at some point in July or August, whatever it was the timeline for all of them, I was thinking they were going to be unreal because they were unreal in June. I thought, get all those guys back healthy, get Trevor Story back healthy, Kike back healthy. I thought they were going to hit a big push and just make a huge run. And obviously that didn't work out. You got Chris Hale hurt now too. But I think yeah. the different thing about the Bruins is they'll be in the regular season, you know, just the beginning of it. So even if they're struggling before, getting those guys back at some point, something to look forward to. With the Red Sox, I don't know what it is. They just hit a point rock bottom now. They're just on a downtrend. But I think with the Bruins, I think, I think it's a good point. You play 500 hockey probably about without those guys and then get them back, it's going to be huge. If you can stay 500 without them, I think that's a win. Yeah, and the big thing is that's going to come out of it is Jim Montgomery, the new head coach. That's going to be a big thing because we know Pasta didn't really want him to leave. I don't think Bergeron really wanted him to leave either. But it happens. He's with uh, Vegas. Hope for the best. Yeah, I liked Bruce Cassidy a lot. But yeah, I, I mean, like you were saying though, the new they got, the new guy they cut, they have coming in, Jim Montgomery, had some experience coaching in the yep. NHL, which is good. Obviously, yeah, he also he also worked with Tory Krug, so I feel like Tory Krug was definitely in his ear a little bit, telling him what to expect when getting to Boston. So when he was with the Blues, so I feel like. He already knows what he's getting himself into, and I feel like the team's just going to hit the ground running. I feel Definitely. Like, yeah, I think Lysel, hopefully, I want to see him make a big push this year to be a, a contributor on the fourth line if he does make it to the NHL this year. I know he's still a little bit young and a little bit undersized still, but uh, I feel like we have a lot of good people in our farm system who's going to make the difference between the next two to three years, maybe even this year if they can, uh, if the AHL program can uh, coach him up enough. Definitely. that That's a big thing, too, which Mark Walsh, big fan of him, too. Uh, Fabian Lysala, and then Mike Curley likes him a lot too, which I think he'll probably be up at some point this year, I'd imagine. If not, I guess maybe next. But he should be up this year, I'd imagine, since he's been playing well. Yeah. yeah. He probably should be, right? Yeah, I think he'd probably be up this year. He might be a big boost for the team, and he maybe even at the beginning of the season, you're going to be missing, as I said, a lot of pieces, a lot of goals there. Mashin being gone, that's that's a lot, a lot of goals. A yeah. lot of goals. And obviously, McAvoy will help you on the offensive end a little. Grizzlick, you know, great defensive forward too, but you're losing. And, and Grizzlick's good in the power play, which Mike Hurley even pointed out before, too. He's good in the power play setting up guys, you yeah, know, at, at the top of the point. Well, yeah, very, very good at helping uh, a lot of our players, especially with him being out and Marshawn. They're not just goal scorers. They're very good at, like, facilitators, setting up the game, moving the puck where it needs to be. Not even with the puck, just moving in areas to draw defenders to give our players that open shot to give them that extra second for the shot or that extra foot to get the puck in between a uh, defender and the goalie. It's just there's a lot of things that those players do that I feel like they, even when they're injured, they're going to be helping coach. I feel like they're definitely going to be coaching. Definitely. Maybe even making more trips to Providence to help them down there, mm-hmm. which we do for the team. Definitely. But I feel like it's, gonna, it's a mentality of next man up. We need those guys to step up and play because we're not in a situation where we're going to start rebuilding. Yeah. We have Pasta, who's I believe going to be 25 or 26 this year. Bergeron, who's old, Marshawn, who's older. It's just it's it's coming to a point where it's we it's we need to win games. We need to win games. We need to compete in the playoffs. We need to 
clinch early. We need to hopefully President's Trophy could be a chance, but I don't I don't see us winning the President's Trophy, but I feel us definitely being a contender for it. Definitely, I mean, I think if you get health at the right time, you get healthy at the right time, hit your stride, and that makes a big difference. You better keep your skates ready, though, kid. Hey, there's some defenseman hurt. As I said, Grizzlick, McAvoy, keep your, keep your stick ready. You never know you get a call. But that's the thing, though. I think you get healthy at the right time, hit your stride, get going. I think it makes a big difference, especially considering it's a long season. I mean, the Bruins are losing these guys just for the first month or so, month and change, two months maybe. The Red Sox were out a lot of big pieces. Chris Sale, obviously, not the whole season, but yeah. – we were out without him, really, besides, you know, there's one start and change, one and a half yeah. starts or whatever. Yeah. So you were missing a lot of big pieces a lot of the season. Trevor Story's been out now for for more than a month. Um, look at it. Kike's been out for, about, out for about two months probably. Walker's been out, you know, five, six weeks. You're missing a lot of pieces, but we're missing them at the wrong time, I think, with the Red Sox. You know, they're missing them at the beginning of the year. We need those wins, and we just don't have the players to help us push those extra runs. We don't have the RBIs from Story. We don't have the strikeouts from Salem Walker. We just don't have. We're missing so much consistency. There's no consistency. Yeah. Like we exactly. might have. Well, here's the thing: like Duran was unreal for his first like 25 games, and then just like fell off a cliff because he wasn't going to stay consistent at that 300 level. Trevor Story, though, he can give you consistent RBI a night. Usually, if he's in the lineup, yeah, guys are on base. Guys are on base. I think it makes. I think that makes a big difference. What do you think of the Chris Sale injury, though? Do you buy the he fell off a bike? Or some people are saying now, who knows? Maybe he got into a fight or broke it doing something else. See, you never know. We're all we can sit here for an hour uh, shooting the shit about what what it could be. What that thing about Chris Sale? He can get hurt through anything. That's a thing. That's yeah, a big it, thing. He can get hurt anyway, whether it's in game, out of the game. I mean, obviously yeah. the injury he had in the game where he took that ball off the wrist. He just he should just stay in the hospital and then he won't get hurt. I feel like <laughs> just say you don't even practice, honestly. Don't, don't get... even, no, it's just at this point I feel like he should reevaluate where he's at. I feel like that he's at a point where he's just gonna keep getting hurt. I think that's the thing. I don't think he's at the level where he's gonna be a seven inning starter when he comes back oh, top yeah. end of the rotation. He's gonna, Gonna become like a, a long reliever. That's what he's gonna probably become. if he wants probably. to adjust to that and maybe be a fifth starter if he wants to stay starting and do like five innings a day. But I don't think he could take the toll on his body the six innings, I, seven innings. Especially because how fra- he's he's a tall, pretty skinny dude. He's six have, six lanky, six five lanky. And if he gets if he gets the bullet up the middle and he gets hit, he's gonna break something. Something's gonna break. He just doesn't have the durability in his body and his body type itself to be able to pitch those seven inning games for like. Half the season. Perhaps. Yeah, he used to be so great at that, though, giving you six, seven innings, so he dominant would. a night. What? But he's not that guy anyway. I agree with you. Probably reevaluates, goes to the back end of the rotation starter. And if he's, if the Red Sox were to get healthy, you know, and maybe pick up another starter, if you look at it next year, Avaldi the free agent. Let's say you get Avaldi back, you got Pavetta still under contract, you got Waka, I believe, still under contract for another year. You have three pieces right there that are very good. You know, Pavetta's really a three or four, but that's that's a good top two right there. Avaldi and Waka. Rich Hill's probably gone, but maybe add another piece in there, maybe number two. And the Red Sox have a good rotation if Sale's your fifth starter in pitching. I don't want him even pitching really, you know, six innings. You can get four innings out of him. Say four or five and then have uh, our long reliever hop in. They get a closer in. I think. Exactly. You can't have expectations from next year. That's the thing. You can't have any expectations for him to be no. uh, you- an all-star again. Huge workload on him, or it's gonna just implode in yourself, and you're you're screwing the team over. That's the thing. So we'll see, obviously, what happens there with the Red Sox. Now we touch Red Sox, Bruins, Falmouth Commodores, Concordia Hockey. Now we'll transition. What quick segment here before we talk about the Patriots, the Celtics trade of Kevin Durant. Are you interested in doing it, or would you not? See, 
I love KD as a player. I just don't like him as a person. So I feel like that if he comes to Boston, I don't know if he's. I, I don't want another Kyrie incident. That's my that's my biggest fear. I don't want another Kyrie. I need someone who's going to come on the floor and be like Marcus Smart. Just work their butt off every single game. Get those boards. Get not well from Kyrie's position. Get those boards. Facilitate on the field. Uh, you know, the, facilitating uh, the point cut. Yeah, facilitate the offense. Absolutely. Yeah. If if it ends up being the Kyrie thing over again, we look like the we look. It's the same thing as like the KG trade with the Nets. We yeah. look like now instead of us being the winners. It's just Definitely. Like, I think we have a lot more to lose because I think obviously Kevin Durant great play like you were saying, but he's kind of quit on the Nets now. Didn't really quit on the Warriors. He just left the Warriors, but. He really hasn't been, you know, great probably in the locker room really in any of those franchises. But the Warriors, I, I, the Warriors just had a great culture already. So it wasn't like he made that culture great. They already had a winning culture. Obviously, he helped them win. But I don't know, though. There's, there's some things about him, like you were saying. And I don't know if he's going to help you in the locker room. He's definitely not a leader. He's not like a LeBron who's a leader. Marcus Smart, not a superstar, but he's a great leader on the court, great yeah, leader in the locker room. I don't think Kevin Durant's really that. I think you're losing – you're losing Jalen Brown. You're probably going to lose Derek White. You're probably going to lose maybe even Robert Williams too. And they, they want Marcus Smart, but supposedly Kevin Durant wants to play with Marcus Smart. So if the Celtics were to trade for him, it wouldn't be Marcus Smart. The deal would probably have to be Robert Williams instead maybe. But you'd be losing a lot of pieces, and I think the Celtics team could win right now without him. But with that being said, though, he has four years left in his contract, $198 million due on those four years. And Jalen Brown only has two years left at, I think, 27 a year. Or 25 a year, whatever it is. Yeah. And that's the thing, though. If Jalen Brown were to leave after those two years, you're going to say, why didn't, you know, people are going to say, I know you in general, I'm just saying you, you know, just hypothetically, people are going to say, why would you not trade for Kevin Durant that if you knew Jalen Brown was going to leave after two years? But I think it's tough. You might kill the culture. You don't know. So say, say if we don't trade for Durant, this year we lose, next year we win, or even this year we win. Yeah. Jalen's going to want to stay. It's like, you're right. we're playing with hypotheticals where we can see that our team now is a winning caliber team right now. There's no, I feel like there's no need to mess with that chemistry. I feel like that Tatum plays really well at the, at the three, uh, Mark Smart at the two. We just have a really strong team. There's no need to change that. Definitely. I'm with you there. I think the thing with, I think the Celtics team right now is already built to win. I think Kevin Durant, obviously, you're still, the Celtics are in a good position kind of either way, whether you, whether you have Kevin Durant or you have Jalen Brown. They're going to be in a good position either way, probably for the next couple of years. But it's the aftermath, the effects of trading a guy like Jalen Brown and Marcus Smothering. Kill the locker room, and you never know. I don't know. I know Durant's a great player, top three player in the league still. But I think you're giving up a lot. And I think there's a lot of question marks about him. 34 years old, has had his injuries. Obviously, has now skipped from franchise to franchise. Thunder to the Warriors to, obviously, the Nets. Now to, who knows, the Celtics, Suns, Heat, wherever it is. It's going to be crazy to see where he ends up. But, yeah, I don't know if the Celtics need him. And I like what you said about it, though. I think... I think you already have a good team on yeah. your own. You can already win with Jalen Brown. Why mess that up and run the risk of losing Jalen Brown? And then who knows? Kevin Durant can play two seasons for you and then do the I want to leave again. Yeah, or or even like you, there's just a million variables where with our program right now, who we have right now, we know we can win. Definitely. We, we, we got there. We were there. We Definitely. Were like all, knocking on the door. Two and wins away. We, yeah, right there. All we need to do is reload and we don't need that much. We don't need... A KD, we need like. Do we? Still, we don't have Horford still, do we? Uh, he's, he's technically a free agent. You think he's going to come back? But he's still a free agent. I feel like if we bring Horford back. That would change our. Like if we bring him back again, great leader. Like, yeah, a huge leader. He stretches the floor. He can shoot the ball, mid range, three point, right. rebound. He can just do everything. It's just 
so many more things for a defender to think about. I feel like it would just elevate the Celtics as a whole. Yeah. KD, yeah, he could do a lot, probably a lot of those things better, but it's not worth losing all those other pieces and losing chemistry we already built over the last couple of years. I think you're losing more than you could potentially gain, especially considering, let's say you trade for Durant. If you don't win the NBA Finals, it's a bust. Even if you make it four times, it's a bust. Yeah. You have to win. You need a ring. Yeah. It's, I also think it's way too much expectation. Like right now, yes, we expect to win. I make it to championship again. Well, I'd, I'd be pretty happy. Eastern Conference, I'd be pretty happy. But if we get KD, we need to win. We are putting way too much, like, we're going all in. Definitely, yeah. If you trade all those assets and you don't win, I think it's a fail at the end of the day. And I think I think the Celtics realize that. I think Brad Stevens knows that too. So we'll see. I think Horford will come back. Good point. He's still a free agent. Um, I think he'll probably be back in a Boston uniform. I don't know why he would leave, considering he's a big piece of this playoff run we just had. Yeah. He was a a dog out there. He played well. Um, But I'm excited to see. What happens in the future with the Durant thing? I, I mean, I don't think the Celtics need him, but I'm excited to see where he goes. I think it could shake up the league. Obviously, Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets are going to be now in pieces. I'm excited to see where he goes. I think it'd be interesting to see, but I don't know. I don't think the Celtics really need him to win. I think I'd rather a team like I don't know who uh, Miami doesn't really need him either. I mean, they have a good team. Right? They could, they could probably use him with Jimmy Butler. Actually, I can be unreal. You can go to the Suns. That'd be a pretty good big, big three. The Suns, the Sixes, maybe. Mm-hmm. See, I, I would say the Sixers, but we already saw him and Harden You're right. together. You're right. Just, You're right. I think he wants out so bad. I think Durant's so desperate to get out, he wouldn't even care to play with, with Harden again. I think he just wants to be out. Harden wouldn't want to play with him. That's my, that's my thought process. Would Harden want to play I with think, him, you saying? Yeah. I, I think Harden and Embiid are such a good, like, they Duo. work together. So I feel like if they just keep working on that, and they're they're both pretty young. How old Harden's older than two? What is he, 28? Harden's a little older. I think he's like 32, but, oh, but really? Embiid's younger. Let me see what James Harden's yeah. age is. I, say, I know Embiid's like 26 or 24. Yeah, he's younger. 32. Yeah. Harden's 32, yeah. and then Embiid's older. Young. I mean, he's still got years left. They both, I mean, yeah. Embiid definitely, but Embiid's yeah, 28. I, so, yeah, I mean, they, they still have a good window to win. I think the Suns, like you were saying, you were going to say Booker and Aiton. Yeah, Booker and Aiton and... Durant, that's that's pretty scary. I would be scared playing in the West and playing those teams. They would have to give up a ton of draft picks because, like, you're not going to trade Aiton because you just signed trade, that contract. Yeah. But you probably could trade Aiton for, I think, till at least, like, January 15th or something because you signed a contract. You can't trade a guy before that. Yeah. I, or, well, at least whatever contract he got, you can't trade a guy. Yeah, There's fine. some exception in it, yeah. So if I you were to C- trade for him, you'd have to give up probably a ton of draft picks. What I was going to say is, is CP3 still there? He's still there. I could see him going to going to the Nets. If they traded him, that'd be kind of crazy. But you never know, I, dude. I could I I could see it, but I feel like it would have to be a good trade. Like there'd have to be way more picks involved. Yes, I'm with. You. I think that's the thing. It's gonna be heavy draft compensation. But I think with the Celtics giving up Jalen Brown's kind of already heavy draft compensation as is because he's young. Two years left at no money. Really. Twenty six million is not that much. He's proven to be good. We don't know how any of these. We don't know how Chet Holgram is gonna be in the NBA. You're right. Like, he looks amazing, but you don't you don't know. Like he could come in and be a bust. You know how guys are gonna transition to the league, especially considering exactly. Holmgren's skinny. You got to be able to keep up weight wise too. Because a lot of those guys, Holmgren's gonna struggle facing a beat, and beat's got so much muscle. And he's so big, Giannis so big. Yeah, it's gonna be a struggle. But if he follows the Giannis path, then yeah, he'll he'll get good. But it's like it all comes down to like we we're talking about hustle and care for the game and like that mental like putting the work. To be, you want to be the best in the court. That you got to put in all that work, and I feel like. With Brown, we see that. With Holgroom and all these other guys who are coming in the draft, we don't we don't know that. We you don't, don't know, know that. But definitely, so it's I, the Mamba mentality. You you said it best. Exactly, exactly. It's definitely yeah. it's important. So uh, now we we'll transition really quick. Anything else you want to say about the Celtics? Before we transition. 
Uh, the last thing is, I don't know if you just saw it, but Bill Russell, actually, his number six just got retired. It just happened. Yep. Uh, I think that's huge. Uh, rest in peace. The greatest winner of all time. Yeah, Kobe's- 11 rings in 13 years, dude. He is, it's like unfathomable. Like, you can't, you can't picture that. Like, I can't picture 11 wins in 13 years. That's just out, that's outrageous. Like, Brady couldn't even. He's got seven, and that's impressive. No one, no one else, no one ever will touch that. I, yeah. I will say, I don't think anyone else will have that percentage of winning ever. Definitely. You're right, though. No, that's a good point. I mean, Brady's got seven, and it's not even, yeah. like, it's it's, it's 11. He's best athletes ever. And uh, the funniest thing is, Bill Russell's not even, like, ever talked in the um, the game. He's ever. never talked about it. I mean, I know, at the end of the day, sports-wise especially, considering how much he's won 11 rings. I mean, just in the NBA should be. I think in all of sports, so you're right. He should consider more in all of sports, just considering 11 rings in 13 years was he's- unreal. In all those years he played. Um, yeah, it's really cool, though. They're going to retire number six in all the NBA. I think that's great. He deserves it, too. It's like you were saying. Definitely, he is definitely, without a doubt, to my, at least in my mind, the GOAT of leadership through any sports team. Stayed with the Celtics all 13 years. It doesn't happen nowadays. Yeah. Oh, ab- absolutely not. You, we were just talking about KD. Like, all, like, all that stuff we were just The flip-flops. He likes, he likes flipping, you know, from city to city, from franchise to franchise. That You're not going to have a guy that stays 13 years. You're not going to have a guy that wins 11 championships on its own, whether he goes to place to place. But and, you're not going to have a guy that stays 13 years. In that time, Boston was not the nicest to Bill Russell, and he still You're stayed. right. You're right. He, he won all those just, rings. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's He's just, a great leader on and off the court. I, I, think, I think his I, impact on the game – is obviously heavily felt on Boston sports in general, winning wise, every aspect you can think of on the court, off the court. He was a legend, a champion, a goat, an icon in every single realm. And I think at the end of the day, I think it's a very nice touch of the NBA to retire his jersey. I know I saw a couple weeks ago they were saying they should, or a week or so ago now they were saying they should, but you never know. I mean, the NBA, I mean, they, they haven't retired too many jersey numbers, so yeah. it's nice that they did. I think it's a very nice touch, and I think hey, it's a good point by you coming in with the breaking news. I love it. I meant to say it too, but I missed it, but. You came in with it. I had it. I, I was going to say it, but I didn't have it. Obviously, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just call on me now, not you. I know. Yeah, you got all the you got all the notes right now, kid. I saw it, but I was going to mention it, and then I just forgot. But hey, you, I, you, I almost forgot too until you said anything else, and I remember. You it. drilled it though. You drilled. Hey, I love it. I love it. You're on your A game. Um, anyways, now we'll talk Patriots really quick. Patriots Giants preview. We'll do a quick one for that. So tonight's game, seven o'clock at Gillette Stadium. No Mac Jones. Patriots starters probably won't play at all. If they play any, no, I, it's going to be very little. The Giants, though, hey. Starters will be playing at least a quarter. So if the Giants were to lose this game, I'd be very disappointed considering it's going to be the Giants starters on offense and defense versus the Patriots. Second string is probably just about all around. Uh, I'm excited to see that. I think with the Patriots, I think the main worry for them is their offense. And obviously now you're not going to be able to see their offense tonight. No Mac Jones. You're not going to see what the offense looks like. But I think my main worry with Mac Jones this year, which I'm going to ask you your opinion on him, it's not even, I'm not even against Mac Jones. I just think Joe Judge is going to make him regress to a certain extent this year because of how bad he got Daniel. Daniel Jones' numbers went downhill with Joe Judge. How do you feel about Mac Jones? We'll stop there. So, see, I I get where you're coming from, but I feel like that Mac Jones, I feel like Mac Jones is going to have a great year this year. I think he's going to be top 10 overall. All right, I respect I, that. Hey, I mean, hey, we, I, I like it. I genuinely agree with that. You saw him at Bama. When he starts playing to his caliber, he has confidence like no one else. Like, he just... He knows who he is, how to play, and what he needs to do to succeed. And he has great assets around him. He has his two tight ends, like we had said before. He has, um, what's his name from Miami? Just came in. Um, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne. Um, yeah, he, like a lot of, it was Devontae Parker's a wide out from Miami, but Kendrick Bourne's there too. They have good, good pieces. Yeah. 
Yeah, like uh, Parker's gonna be huge. He's one of the more added, like the newer guys to the program. Six foot four, I, big end zone threat. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like he has the, he has a lot of guys who also know the role of it's my job to help my team win. It's not like we're gonna have like Julio Jones or like someone. Not well, I guess I shouldn't say Julio Jones. That's like a bad example. Julio would be nice though, but yeah. Odell Beckham when he was in the Browns, he just and even when a little bit when he was with the um, Giants, it's just like they. It's like we were talking about earlier. You're thinking more of yourself over the game when Mac Jones will not do that. Yeah. When Devontae Parker will not do that. When Hunter Henry and Juwano Smith will not do that. Yeah. I'm with you I, there. It's tough, though. I think at the end of the day, it sometimes depends on the coach. I think the Patriots coach obviously helps with that. Guys just stay yeah. a little more oh. locked in and focused. And the Browns obviously have had their injuries and their issues over the years. Brutal franchise over the past 10 years, just about 10, 15 years. The Giants have been struggling now, only making the playoffs once in the last 10 years since they won the Super Bowl. So it's really hot. Since we won the Super Bowl, we made the playoffs once in 2011, I'm talking. But that's the thing, though. I think, I think the culture helps with the Patriots. I think that makes a difference of keeping guys yeah. locked in. I, you know, But I think with Mac Jones, one thing I worry about, though, is that you got Matt Patricia, Joe Judge in there, defensive and special teams-minded guys now running your offense. Joe Judge... With Daniel Jones, I got a couple numbers here. And 12 stops with Pat Shermer's head coach in 2019. Jones was unreal. Offensive-minded head coach, Pat Shermer. So, obviously, the offense is going to be a little better. 61.9% completion percentage. 3,000 passing yards. 24 touchdowns with 12 picks. 87.7 passer rating. Two rushing touchdowns. A 17-game rate. If it was a 17-game season that year, it would have been 4,288 passing yards. 34 touchdowns to 17 picks. But now you look at Joe Judge at two seasons with... With uh, Daniel Jones with two scenes with Joe Judge's head coach, special teams-minded guy. 21 passing touchdowns, 17 picks, and 26 starts. He had 24 as a rookie in 12 games. Now only 21 and 26 starts after that. Three rushing touchdowns. So he had three less passing touchdowns than he had as a rookie with 12, 14 more games. And one yeah. more rushing touchdown with 14 more games. It's just... I, I don't think it's a Mac Jones issue. I think it's a Joe Judge not being, which I know Joe Judge is a head coach, but they oversee a lot of the offense as a head coach. You oversee the offense I, defense. I worry about Mac Jones because of that. That's why I worry about him, just because I don't think Joe Judge, I like Joe Judge as a guy. I think, like we talked about earlier with a couple of those Falmouth guys, you like the human element of all of them. Joe Judge seems like a great guy. Loved all his press conferences. Seems like a very family-oriented guy, but I just don't know if he's the best guy to keep in charge of your offense at the end of the day. Yep. Yeah. That's uh, actually when we we're talking about what, like, what we're looking forward to the game. I'm looking forward to the play calls. I want to see how, what we're doing as the team. I know it's not the starters, but they're probably going to be calling some of the similar plays that they're going to want to run the season, like the same concepts with like whether it's an outside or inside run, or if they're looking deep or looking mid or short. I'm interested to see how they run their play and what their game plan is going to look like. Definitely, I think that's a big thing. Even if it's backups, guys. So like like Bailey Zappi, the fourth round pick quarterback, uh, quarterback yeah. the Patriots took from Western Kentucky. If he's in yeah. the game. Or Eastern Kentucky, whatever it was. But if he's in the game, that you're going to see some obviously plays that Mac Jones is probably going to run. Same system. I think it'd be yeah. a good thing for the offense just to see something. Even though Mac Jones isn't out there, they'll see if the, if it works to a degree. Yeah. I know it's not working in practice. It's not working in practice, they say. But practice at the end of the day, it's not the same as game being under the lights. All those yeah. elements you got to factor oh. in. And, and like you were saying, the Giants have all their starters playing, so. You'd imagine the Patriots might struggle at first. I mean, you'd hope as a Giants fan, at least. You'd hope the Giants' first-team defense would be doing well against a Patriots' second-team offense. But at the end of the day, obviously, it's football. Anything can happen. Um, but the thing I do worry about with Mac Jones is the coaching Joe Judge, Matt Patricia. I think Bill Belichick could be his last year. Do you think, how many years do you think Bill Belichick has left? A couple of years? Uh, yeah, I want to say forever. But uh, I definitely think it's going to be uh, probably two to three years. I think it's going to be based off of, like, it's going to be based off of how we do. It's going to be... 
if we win, if we lose, if we lose a ton, I feel like he's going to stay longer. I genuinely think it's going to be like if we lose more, he's going to want to stay and try to fix his legacy. But I feel like that will only do more harm than good. He might want to win without Brady. I'm with you there. I agree. I feel like that he he needs that for himself to say that like he without doubt. I think he's the best coach all time. That's just me. Yeah, and I, I'm with you there. Yeah, but like I feel like. If he can win on his own with Mac Jones and the and the people we, the cast we have right now, I think it's going to cement him as that. Definitely, I get that. And I think if you look at the Patriots coming into this season, obviously the division got better. You obviously know the Bills are going to be great, but the Dolphins got better, the Jets got better. Yeah. Now I'm not sure about the Patriots. It's a question mark right now because the offense, the the whole talk of the whole training camp has been the Patriots' offense can't move the ball, they can't move the ball, they can't move the ball. But I think at the end of the day, some of the t- sometimes that's just. Naysaying that's, you know, his saying stuff on the outside and the Patriots, yeah. once again the field might be locked in. You know, Brady's in training no, no. camps had it issue has his issues and has been great. So that's one thing. I think the Patriots this could all just be, you know, he said she said thing and then they get out there and you know, they might be able to move the ball better than what people expected. I think yeah. the division did get better though. I'm not sure what you what what do you think of the Patriots division? The AFC East. It did get good. No, I totally agree. I feel like I, I don't think I don't think the Jets got any better. I feel like they like on paper did, but I don't think I think you think they're still the Jets at the end of the day, even though they got better, they're still the Jets. I feel like the coach is definitely going to do a lot for the team. I feel like they're definitely going to have a better record. Sal is a good coach, yeah. They're not sweeping any. They're not sweeping any team in the AFC East. That's just not going to happen. Yeah, if they go three and three, it's a win for them, honestly. Yeah, exactly. Yes, that's what I mean. I just feel like that they're still not that caliber team to play with the Bills with Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen, or with Tua and Ty- Tyree Kill or Mac Jones in our offense. It's just like there's too many. The other teams in the conferences just have too much strength in our in our division. Just have too much strength on their team, both sides of the ball. They're not the Jets aren't going to be able to compete. But I can see any other team in our division go, making it far in the playoffs, the AFC Championship. I can see any three of us doing it. Yeah, I think the Patriots division is good, and then also if you look at the AFC West, there's going to be a lot of wild card teams there. Oh yeah, whether it's the Raiders, Broncos, Chargers, like Chiefs. A lot of the AFC are. It's going to be very – a lot of teams are going to have very upset seasons because they're probably going to go like 11-7 and seven and still not make it. Because uh, of how good the division is. They might go exactly. – you could go 4-2 and two in that division, the AFC West, and still not make it because of how good your exactly. division is. Exactly. That's the I thing. Think, it's going to come down to those conf- the, the division matchups. Like if we're able to sweep the Jets and split with the other two, that's going to be really good for us. Yeah, if the Patriots go 4-2, and two, I think that's a win. I think 3-3 three and three even might be good considering the Bills playing them twice as tough. Dolphins – the Dolphins always beat you guys once. It's usually uh, at Miami. So if you split yeah, with them, yeah, I think I think you'll still split with them, even though they got better. I think you still can split with the Dolphins. The Bills, if you split with the Bills, I think that's a win on its own. I, you'll take a you'll take a split. I think we're gonna. I think we'll definitely win at home. But I don't. I, just playing in playing in Buffalo is so hard. Those fans, it's just yeah, it's with, a different environment. It absolutely is. Definitely is. It's a different environment. I think I know you're not a big fan of the Jets. I think the Jets' offense got better. I like what they did in the draft. Obviously, going to get a wide receiver in the first round, uh, Garrett Wilson or whatever. They got Garrett Wilson, right? Was it in the first round? Yes, yeah. And then they have Elijah Moore. Obviously, I think Zach Wilson takes a step up this year. The defense even got a little better too. Um, have a lot of issues on the offensive line. Number Kai Beckton's out for the year now. Um, they just signed Dwayne Brown, that old tackle, five year, five time Pro Bowler from the Seahawks. Yeah. But I don't know. I think, like you were saying though, the Jets could just be the Jets in the end of the day, and I could just be way off this. But I think the Jets can go. Nine and eight. Is that maybe I'm maybe I'm way off? I don't know. I, I think I, I say I think that is their ceiling. That is definitely their ceiling is nine and eight. Okay, I I, I respect that. Ceiling. I respect I could, that. I, I could see them going like two and sixteen. You never know because they could just be the Jets. Two and fifteen. Excuse me. I could totally see them going two and fifteen. Like, yeah. It's just 
it's going to come down. It's we we can't really predict the Jets because you never know with them. Like it, with them, like injury bug always hits them pretty hard. Like they they usually never win at home. It's just like they just have really bad aspects all around for their program. They choke like, games. Oh yeah. Oh, it's it's them and the Bears. It's crazy. Yeah, it's the like, bad news Bears. It's yeah, it's crazy. I just I don't know. I feel like the Jets are going to be very hard to predict. Same another team that I who I very like this year is um, Detroit. Detroit, yeah. I, hey, I knew you've been liking them for some years now. I respect it. I see them sneaking in. I think they're going to beat the Vikings. I think they're going to be two in the NFC, uh, NFC North, and I think they're going to sneak into the playoffs. You think the Packers are on a downtrend? Yeah, I, can, I think Packers is still going to be the one in that division. I just, okay. I can't see them having the same production without Devontae Adams. Okay, yeah, I respect that. Yeah, I mean, they don't really have a number one now. They bring in. They brought in Watkins. And- Watkins. They got uh, Lazard's. I guess they have one technically. Watkins. They yeah. brought in Christian Watson. They drafted in the draft out of North Dakota State in the second round. Wide out. He's pretty good. But you can't expect you can't expect to have Lazard fill in for Devontae Adams and have the same results. You just you can't. Yeah, it's not the same. That defense is not the same defense they used to have. Mm-hmm. And that's gonna be a lot. That's gonna be a lot of more work on Aaron Jones, which is not gonna be good for them. And AJ Dillon. I know you like AJ. I do. I love AJ Dillon. You know, I, lo- I love uh, huge quads in that guy. Holy crap! But um, I can see. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm scared about that. That workload is a lot for that backfield. Even though it's two of them, that's a pretty large thing to put on them. Yes, they have Aaron Jones. I mean, uh, Aaron Rodgers, great quarterback. I'm never going to take that away from him. But yeah. just I don't. I can't see them being the same team they were last year. It's just it's not going to happen. You can't. You can't lose like top. Probably top, I would say one. My number one wide receiver is Devontae Adams. Yes, he's my number one right now, too. I would agree yeah. with that. I expect to swap him out for probably uh, a solid wide receiver two, maybe wide receiver three. Yeah, I, I, Lazard. I think Lazard, yeah, Lazard's probably around there, like wide receiver two-ish, like, like, wide receiver three-ish. Yep, you built up all your wide receiver, like, your strings, but it's not going to be the same. You can't, like, he's, Aaron Jones is used to, but Aaron Rodgers, he's just throwing it out to Devontae Adams, just getting all the yards he needs. It's just, you can't, you can't do that. With Lazard, it's not going to happen. I'm with you there. I think it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens there. So you got you got the Lions as your sleeper team. Yep. Um, what team do you have as a bust team? A team that, that everyone has high expectations for. So wait. So this is my. I have. I had high expectations beginning of the year, but I think out of the AFC West, it's going to be either the Chiefs or it's going to be the Broncos. Because a really? lot of people. A lot of people see the Broncos being very good with Russell Wilson. I just don't see it happening. I think, I think that he was really good with Pete Carroll. I think that really helps him. I think the Seahawks area, like Seattle, is a really good place to play. The fans love him there. I feel like the Broncos. It's not really the same. They're not used to winning. It's just it's going to be different. I just I don't see them doing that well. I could see them being around five hundred. I'm with you. I think that would probably be my bust team too. I don't think the Broncos would be that good. I think Russell Wilson's. He's still a good quarterback. I'd probably put him at. 10-ish maybe, but I, I don't think he's a top-five quarterback in the league anymore. Um, he starts every year as a top-five quarterback in fantasy because he stays. He has four four touchdown games to start each season and then falls off a little bit. I think he's yeah. around 10 right now-ish quarterbacks. I think he's on a little bit of a downtrend. I think the Broncos obviously have a good roster, but yeah, I think they're my best team. I think they'll probably go 9-8, and 10-7, and seven, but a lot of people have them going very far like AFC Championship. I like the Raiders most in that division. I think the Raiders are going to be really good. I like the Raiders good. a lot, too. I think it's with, uh, they, have Waller, they have Waller, they have Carr, they have Adams, and they also have Jacobs. Jacobs. I mean, they, they have Hunter Renfro, too. They have a solid well, team. They are all – those top four we just said are all uh, top ten or top five in their position. Yes, and then obviously – and then they have solid backups. Kenyon Drake, yeah, Hunter Renfro. All around very strong teams. I just feel like they – 
like they're just going to win football. They they have a great stadium. They have great fan. They have killer fans. It's Definitely just like, great a country. Absolutely. That team is just very strong, and I can see them see them doing very well. And Derek Carr has has had very low expectations, and I feel like this is the year for him to turn around and be that top five quarterback. So I can totally see him being a top five quarterback. We saw him at Fresno play really well. I just mm-hmm. see him. I, I see him right now. It's probably number eight to ten right now. Range, which I'm going to do I my ranking at some point. I'd say he's right now eight to ten, but I think at the end of the day, he can make I a big jump up. I think he's probably going to have probably definitely his best season in the NFL. But he's probably going to have one of the I, I don't know out of all those four of those quarterbacks: Herbert, Wilson, Kyle, Mahomes. I think he'll have the second best season out of them. I think he'll have a better season than Herbert, truly. But I don't know. A lot of people are very high on the Chargers, too, which I think they did good against J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack. Obviously, have Joey Boza there. They have, yeah. they have a good core, obviously, there. But And uh, Ke- Ke- yeah, obviously, Keenan Allen and uh, Austin Eckler. I know you're a big fan of him. You like Herbert. I think they'll yeah. be good. I don't think they're a bus team. I think the Broncos are the bus team in that division. Um, yeah, I, I think they're definitely the bus team. I think if Patrick Mahomes can't. I think I know he has, like, he got uh, Scanley, and they, like, they have very good receivers. Don't get me wrong. I just feel like. It's going to be different without Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is just, he's that polarizing player with that speed where you can get a touchdown off one play with him. He's Definitely. From the 25-yard line, you can get a touchdown with him. Definitely. He's like, pretty good consistently, which is unheard of with any other player, besides maybe like Julio Jones in his prime and Devontae Adams. Like, you just can't see that with anyone else. I feel like that that could change and that could force them to take a couple steps back and have to rethink their game. But yes, they do, but they also have a really good rookie back. Uh, very strong backfield. Then they just drafted a good rookie running back, or do I have that wrong? Is it the Chiefs you're talking about? Yeah. Yes, they drafted somebody. Let me think. They got somebody in the draft. They did. Yeah, they, they have good running backs. Let me backs see. They do. I mean, obviously they have um, Clyde edwards Elia there too, who yeah. started off very good as a rookie and then just kind of, you know, didn't do too much last year. He was good last year. I think he might have got hurt a little bit, but he was too high of a fantasy pick, I'll tell you that, last year. <laughs> I just feel like they're going to have to reinvent their game, so I think there's going to be growing pains with that. So I feel like at the beginning of the year, it's going to be a little sketchy. So for those teams playing them early in the year, if like they have a lot of AFC West games, it's going to hurt them a lot. And that's, I feel like that's going to set it back when it comes down to the end of the year where they're finally hitting their stride again and they're just going to miss the playoffs. Yeah. I can see that one of those like teams that just speak out of the playoffs. Definitely. And the Chiefs, they drafted a guy in the seventh round, Isaiah Pacheco, I think is how you pronounce yeah. his name. But he's a- had, had 18 touchdowns in three years. At Rutgers, three touchdowns, I, seven I, touchdowns, three and five. He actually had a pretty good career there, 18 I, touchdowns. I was reading Sue Sleeper the other day, and I saw that he's been getting a lot of touches in their, uh, as their third down back. So I can see them flipping to him in the passing game and stuff like that. I just feel like that they need to reinvent their game, which, like I said, growing pains. It always happens when you have to, you have to change your game at all. Definitely. Um, so anyways, now we'll close up with just one last thing. James White retiring. We had a very good episode. We got an hour and 45 minutes in. James White retiring, <laughs> obviously, after eight seasons in the NFL. I know, obviously, had a very big Super performance for the Patriots, 20 points yeah. um, in Super Bowl 51 versus Atlanta. Um, had the game when he touched down in OT, 20 points in the second half, three touchdowns, a two-point conversion. Finished the game with 14 catches, 110 yards, one receiving touchdown, six rushes, 29 rushing yards, a rushing touchdown, two rushing touchdowns, that is. Um, and then also was one of the most reliable and, and best third-down backs in NFL history. Speaking of third-down backs, we just talked about the guy in the Chiefs. Only Patriot guy I've ever drafted, too. Fun fact here. He's the only Patriot I've ever drafted in fantasy that was on the Patriots. I'm the only one I've ever drafted live on the Patriots. I drafted Brady, but he was a buck. So, but what do you think What do you think of James White's retirement? Obviously, I know you're a big Patriots fan, so I'm sure you loved him. I, yeah, I love White. He's just he's one of those guys, hard-nosed. Like, he's not a huge guy. He's not like LeGarrette Blunt where he's going to power through guys, but he can still throw a body if he needed to. 
you do that spin move, do that juke, catch the ball. He's a very good utility back, and he's going to be huge miss from our team. And just, I feel like you can't really, it's hard to replace a guy like that because he just has so many, it's like in the MLB, we talk about five tool athletes. He's one of those guys in the football field that just has, can do a little bit of everything and can do it pretty well. Mm-hmm. It'd be a hard spot to fill, but um, he'll be greatly missed. Definitely. And I'm sure our Patriots fans, too, appreciate everything he gave you guys. Obviously, uh, big Super Bowl run there at 51. And obviously, over the years, Brady loved him as a, just a blanket. You know, third down just to throw it to. Always there to help you, um, which is great. But, hey, any other comments you have for the end? I don't want to keep you all day. We got an hour and 46 minutes in. so yeah, We had a good little talk. No, I feel like we hit everything we needed to talk about. I feel like uh, Congo Hockey, looking for a big year this year. Commodores, we had a good talk about that. Uh, and we just touched all our sports teams. Celtics? I- Red Sox? Tonight's going to be a big game. Tonight's going to be a big game between the Pats and the Giants. It's going to be a, for, a little bit of fortune telling to see what the season's going to look like for the Giants and then see how our play calling is looking. So I feel like today's, from the outside, if you're not one of our fans, not a fan of either of the teams, it's definitely not a huge game. I know it's preseason, so it doesn't mean a lot, but it means a lot for our teams. Definitely. Like, you don't mean the what? Giants. I take preseason, I get the Super Bowl, dude. I'm ready exactly. to go. You know? <laughs> the Giants, and I get that, because you don't see the Super Bowl that often. So I uh, d- easy. Come on. <laughs> you're not going to kill me at the end of this episode. Come on. <laughs> He's already coming at me. You don't have to come at me at the end of the episode to finish up. But, yeah, you're right, though. I mean, I do take preseason very heavily, uh, very serious. So I get that. But you're right, though, about saying it will be good to see the Patriots play calling, even though it's second-team offense, second-team defense. And then for the Giants, obviously seeing a quarter with Brian Dable, Colin plays with Mike Kafka, the new offensive coordinator, and Daniel Jones and the new system. Got a lot of good weapons, too. Um, so I'm excited to see, uh, you know, what the Giants do tonight. What do you think for a prediction of the game? I know, obviously, Patriots don't have much playing, so it's not easy to make a prediction, I guess, of what they're going to do. But what do you yeah, think for the score? Hard. I, I definitely think it's going to be – it's either going to be a shootout, like scoring every drive, or both teams are going to be unable to move the ball to that field. Yes, but, I would say it's probably – I'd probably say it's it's the the first putt, the shootout, but yes, I would agree with that. I have a feeling it's probably going to be around like 24-20, and I, it could go either way. I don't okay. know who's going to win. Yeah, way. I haven't thought about a prediction yet. I mean, I just came up with that on the spot thinking of a score, so it's yeah. tough. It's tough. Uh, which I didn't even tell you I was going to you know, make you give a prediction for it. So I, I'm sorry for throwing you out to try to give you a number for a preseason game. But I would say like 28-17 or 31-17. I'll go Giants. But I'm going to go a back-end touchdown. Back-end touchdown at the end of the game, 24-17 type of thing. And they get a back-end touchdown, make it two. But only because the Giants have their offense yeah, playing. Starters. No, I totally agree. I feel like de- they definitely have the upper hand playing the starters. But I feel like... I don't know. I feel like our definitely our backups, our, be- our team definitely has that mentality of next guy up. So I feel like it's going to... Help us out a lot, but um, we'll see. It's the Patriots won a preseason game last year. I know it doesn't mean much, but the Patriots did win that one, I think, by a score. I think it was a three-point game maybe you guys beat us by. Yeah. So we had so, a touchdown so, at the end of the game. A Hail Mary, yeah. Mike Glennon airing it out. But yes, yeah, 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 yeah. We had a Glennon Hail Mary with like three seconds oh. left down by 10. But, yeah, I think it will be a good game, fun game to watch, obviously. And uh, I think it will be a big one, obviously, for the Giants watching their offense. And then the Patriots seeing the play call. See if Joe Judge is calling plays and Matt Patricia. That will be big. It will be. It's going to be a big game. Like I was saying, it's going to be looking into the real season and see how it's going to go. Definitely. And so, anyways... Thank you so much for coming on, Liam. I really appreciate your time. Hour and 50 minutes here. We got through everything. We got through Concordia <laughs> Hockey. Best of luck this season uh, playing for them. The Cardinals, obviously, a big year coming up. I'm excited to talk about them live on here at BC. Hopefully, have a big win or two that you can come on, talk about. I know you're going to be busy, so that's why if we get you on once or twice, I think that's a win at the end of the day. Um, so your biggest game is something we'll have you come on and talk about it. Um, but hopefully, come, have you come on, talk hockey. You can talk anything on there, too. Talk Detroit Lions. Maybe Patriots, maybe some Celtics, you know. But I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I'm excited to see you continue to do big things in the world of sports, whether it's playing on the ice 
or making connections with the Falmouth Commodores, the Tampa Bay Bucks, or the Tampa Bay, uh, not Tampa Bay Bucks, the uh, Los Angeles Rams working in LA at the Super Bowl, which was sick. So you stay making connections. I'm proud of you. And thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Thank you for having me. Anyways, thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. I really appreciate it. It was great having my buddy, my best friend, Liam Kenny, come on. Talk hockey, Concordia hockey, big season coming up for them. I'll definitely keep you guys posted about that in the fall when the season starts in October. They open up against Oakland in Michigan, which is going to be great. I'll definitely cover this season and talk about how well he's playing, how well the team's playing. I'm excited to see them do big things this year. So best of luck to Liam this season with them. I really appreciate him coming on here and giving me an hour 50 minutes, one hour 50 minutes of... Celtics, Bruins, Red Sox, Patriots versus Giants, Concordia Hockey, Falmouth Commodores talking Cape Cod Baseball, talking about our Cape Cod Baseball Finals predictions. It was great having him come on. I really appreciate it, Liam. Thank you so much. And thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. I really appreciate it. Hope you guys have a good one. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Thank you.